0: Welcome to the No Fear podcast of First Presbyterian Church. My name is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, with your No Fear Word of the Day. All right, so we are here talking today. I'm this is Bob Fuller, senior pastor of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, Texas. I'm here with Alex Alorio and Alex Clary. That's E-E. right, one Bob, two Alexes, and 30 minutes of theology. Welcome to the No Fear Podcast. Let's get it. We are fired up today. Why? Because it's almost Christmas. That's, that's why we're fired that's up today. Right. Let's that's go. Right. That's right. Praise that's God. right. And we are here to talk about the fact today that. We are poss- possibly in the strangest year, the strangest Christmas season that any of us around this table have ever experienced. Now, certainly, historical perspective would tell us that maybe this isn't the worst year, the worst Christmas ever. I mean, certainly, you, you think about the, during the World Wars and things like that. But that's a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today is getting some perspective. But whether it has to do with political issues of the day or the pandemic— what is the gospel that people need to hear in this? Not just Christmas season, but in Advent and in Thanksgiving. We're actually recording this podcast right before Thanksgiving, so mm. it, that is still fair game, in my opinion, to That's talk right. about Thanksgiving. Right. Um, and so, uh, let me just lay out some questions for you guys that I want to make sure we we talk about over the over the course of this podcast. Um, you know, one one thing: feel free to talk about l- some personal historical perspective. In other words, let's talk about the fact that um, this is a strange Christmas for all of us. So, you know, what do you usually do for Christmas or Thanksgiving or this holiday season? You know, what does it usually look like for you? Um, And then, you know, how about this year? What's it going to mean this year? Uh, For example, you know, you've got states like California and Oregon who are actually telling people that if you have more than six people in your house, you can expect a knock on the door from the police. Um, That seems absolutely terrifying in this Mm. country. Mm. Um, You know, what about those government restrictions, things like that? Um, But then really the the main question is, what is the gospel for this moment? I mean, it it would seem like there would be some people who would say, you know what, Christmas is just a frivolous holiday, and it seems a little tacky to be celebrating when so many people are suffering. I would say that's a misunderstanding of the gospel, and this is precisely when we need to be talking about not what TV tells us is the true meaning of Christmas, but what the Bible tells us is the true meaning of Christmas. So that being said, let me just ask you guys, what does christmas usually look like for you all what is your holiday season whether it's thanksgiving or christmas what does it usually look like for you all and how's that going to be different this year maybe it's not maybe it's you know that let's see what see what it looks like alex go ahead uh go ahead
1: yeah so uh thanksgiving and christmas both look very very similar for me
0: and this and this is this is tamale season for you. You always bring up tamales. Dude, this time yes. Of here, right?
1: Tamale, arroz con leche, <laughs> uh, coco, like uh, abuelitas coco. It's like this like chocolate, hot chocolate. It's just different. It's just so good. And my favorite is uh, these things called bunuelos. They're like... They're like tortillas. They're like tortillas. Uh, notice how I had to roll my R there. I had yeah. to show you. <laughs> Thank, you. <and> got- <laughs> Thank you for translating You're it welcome, for us. You're welcome, bro. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I'm telling you, man. Two years of Spanish in grade school has done me good. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> but um, these these tortillas, they, uh, they're they actually made with like cinnamon and sugar. You 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 fry them and then you uh-huh. add more cinnamon sugar to them, so it's like more like a it's like a dessert at the very end of the day with a cup of coffee or one of these things. And so, uh, no, this is a really great season, especially for us and our family. It's just a real great time to get together. And so normally, uh, historically for us, we would just gather together. Again, my mom has a big family, my dad has a big family too, so uh, it's just a really awesome time. So that's what usually typically we do. Really great food really great community and if we're able to gather all together that's great but we know sometimes it's that's hard particularly for my sister she lives in thailand and especially right now she's yeah. pregnant uh so she's so now i'm gonna be an uncle twice twice over now awesome Congratulations. Uh, and so this season uh i don't think my, my sister's gonna be able to come down to the United States, uh, from Thailand, from the mission field. And so uh, we're going to be missing her a ton and having her on video. Uh, I've already gotten some videos and pictures of my niece, and she's just adorable. So,
0: Very cool. How about you, Alex Clary?
2: Yeah, so um, regardless of the pandemic going on, we were going to have a unique holiday season for my wife and I just because this is the first time we've been out of the Carolinas for the holidays. So... Uh, My wife and I are both from South Carolina, and we would kind of bounce holidays back and forth between my mom's family, my dad's family, and her parents' family. And so, you know, this will kind of be our first Thanksgiving-Christmas combo where we are 100% on our own. Wow. Um, You know, we love our families, we love fellowshipping with them and spending time with them, but You know, there's time to leave the nest and do your own thing, and I think this is our first one. So, um, you know, we'll obviously do the whole FaceTime phone call thing, but my wife is an amazing cook. And I cannot oh, wait right. to have. I don't have to share with anybody. Come on. I don't have to limit my portions. That's the spirit of Christmas right there. Right. Not sharing. Not sharing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No room for the table
1: for
0: anybody else. That's, just right. Me and my that's wife. right. No room at the end. Of no day. room at the end.
1: <laughs> I just want to be just like Jesus. The <laughs> yeah. story it's the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Turkey
2: is all mine. All that's right. Day. That's right. So uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. It's, it's definitely gonna be low key. It's gonna be my wife and her two dogs, and so it'll. be be awesome, and it'll just be you know time to start some new traditions and stuff like that. Obviously, if there wasn't a pandemic going on, we we'll probably have family down here just because right. nobody from our part of our family has been to Texas before. So uh, yeah, this will be our third holiday season together, and our first when it's just her and I. So we're looking forward to it.
0: So l- talking about um, talking about the theology around Christmas. Here's here's something I noticed, and y'all are going to hear me preaching about this a lot over the next few weeks, especially as, as we roll through Advent. Um, the, the name of the series that I'm going to be preaching here over the next few weeks is we need Christmas. And the reason for that is because as I started really thinking about this year and I started thinking about the Christmas story, I, I started going way back and I started just again scanning and and looking at, at the Bible and I started looking particularly at the prophecies and the promises of Christmas. And it and one thing that was absolutely fascinating to me is that the promises of Christmas, the promises of Messiah always seem to come in the worst of times, if you think about the Charles Dickens, you know, Tale of Two C- Cities, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. The promises of Messiah come in the worst of times for God's people, beginning in the very first, the very first Christmas promise, which I believe takes place in Genesis chapter three, in verse fifteen, in which you know, in, immediately after. Uh, After Adam and Eve have sinned, they have fallen from grace. They have been expelled from the garden and God is interrogating them about what has happened. And obviously the serpent is revealed as being at the center of this problem. And God says to the serpent that the woman is going to bear a child who is going to crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. And now, Historically, theologians have always looked back to that as the first promise of Messiah. You know, yes, he's going to be bruised. His, his, you know, he is going to bear our stripes. By his stripes, we are healed. But, but this is going all the way back to Genesis chapter three from the expulsion of the garden, the Messiah is promised. And then you look at, like, kind of this cluster of Messiah promises that take place during the exile. With the prophets, I mean, I mean, all, I mean, so many, uh, not just the Christmas prophecies, but the, but the Easter prophecies, everything about Messiah. So much of that comes to us in that exile period, either from the from the prophets talking before the exile or during the exile. And then, if you look right up to the minute, um, the the sort of the really next concrete announcement is is the angels' announcement to Mary and when does that come it doesn't come when everything is great the economy is booming in israel and everybody's happy it comes when they are under the heel of roman occupation and it is a really desperate time for god's people and so you know you look you look at those occasions and you think and to me it says god promises messiah not in the best of times but in the worst of times why is that it's because that's when we need him the most, and and I just I feel like it's just a, a really important uh, a, a really important factor for us to consider because well I'll, I'll say more about that in a second. Look, give me your thoughts on this. Uh, give me your, uh, whoever wants to start first. Yeah, Alex Cleary.
2: So I love took the point the direction I was going to drive the car right from me, and I love it that we're on the same page of when Christ appeared. I think because we're so far removed from the cultural context of Scripture that sometimes we miss and we think that everything was great in Israel during this time, right. but they were under Roman rule. Yeah. Uh, we know from context that the Pharisees are ripe with hypocrisy at this time. Um, they have known about all these promises that they have heard that has been beaten into their heads since they were children about the Messiah's coming, the Messiah is coming, we're going to be rescued, we're going to be saved. And so everything wasn't great. It wasn't like Jesus showed up and, you know, life's great. And, oh, okay, now we've got the Messiah. Cool. There was a desperate need. There was a need for the Savior. And I just love, this is the verse that I go to every Christmas. It's cliche. We all know it. But it's when the angels appear to the shepherds. And Luke 2.14, it's glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And... It just reminds me every Christmas season about perspective. Um, the angels didn't say to the shepherds, peace, but you still need to stress out about politics. Wow. <laughs> peace, but you still need to that stress speak. out about the economy. Peace, but you need to worry about your family dynamics or you need to worry about you're out here in the field in the middle of the night and weird things are happening. It says, no, peace on earth. And when we have that heavenly mindset, like Colossians 3.1 says, when our hearts and our minds are seted, are set on the throne room, of heaven, all of these things fall secondary. Uh, We just finished up in our uh, middle school Bible study and high school Bible study, the book of 1 Peter, the entire message of 1 Peter to this group of persecuted Christians is, your hope is eternal, not on your current circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think that is echoed here in Luke 2.14. I think it's in all of the prophecies, is that when you look only at the secular, when you look only at the material, when you look only at the temporary, you're right. You should be freaking out. And if you have no hope, it's time to hit that panic button. Mm-hmm. But on earth, peace. You know, it's something I, I
0: just, th- this just sort of came to me. And I, it's not something I've ever thought about before, but it's it's the, the, the phrase, the, the phrase of the angels is peace on earth. Mm. How often does our culture say that the message of Christmas is peace from earth in the sense of, this is where you're going to get your peace. Um, yeah. I mean it's it's it, it is earth, it is culture, it is this plane from which we will gain our peace. whereas clearly the word of the angels is no no, this is coming from above. Mm. this is coming from somewhere else. Yeah. it's not peace from earth. you don't get your peace from this place, from this time, from you get your peace from the one who has come. Mm. right?
1: Alex Loria. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, what's interesting is that I had to uh, recently, because of the, the ordination track through ECO, yeah. I had to recently write a paper, and my topic was actually on the um, <clears throat> the song that Mary sang. Oh, yeah. Upon hearing the news of her uh, going to conceive a child, it was right after uh, she had met with Elizabeth, she breaks into song, and so I just want to... and. And I think this is—it goes straight to your point is about talking about the true meaning uh, of Christmas and the gospel message. And yes, trust me, I'm—I'm I'm all excited for you know, you know, Christmas lights and all these things. But when you hear this song, and again, just speaking exactly what you were talking about, how in, it's in the midst of crisis, how it's—it's it's in the midst of seeing this piece and enduring suffering, it's like responding to all these things. And like when you hear her song, this is not a uh, this is not a, um, a sense of the world is going to be all good on its own. Nothing's going to change. Like, you know, they're going to fix it. They're going to they're going to fix this all by themselves. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Matter of fact, it's the complete contrary. Notice here what Mary says uh, in her song. This is again in Luke going, going to the same book that Alex was just speaking about. It says uh, verse 46 in chapter one. It says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arms. Watch this now. And he has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in humble states he has filled the hungry with good things the riches the rich have been sent away empty the rich have been sent away empty he has helped his servant israel in remembrance of his mercy and watch how it ends here and he spoke to our fathers to abraham and to his offspring forever like this is a complete song of just highlighting everything that has passed and to remember to remind not just herself in song but for us as we read it to remind us that our god has not started something that he will not see to completion and you better put money on it matter of fact put your life on it that he is going to follow through with what he says. Going back to what you said, Bob, from the very jump, he is going to crush the head of the serpent and it'll bruise his heel. And the speaking of bruising and sacrifice and of pain and the suffering servant calls back to when Isaiah in chapter 53 talks about the suffering servant, 53, 54, where it talks about through his wounds that we are healed. Yes, Christmas is warm. Christmas is, is is fun, but Christmas is completely a battle cry that something has changed. Salvation has come. What you thought was going to be will not be because God has come back to remind the entire world he is king. He is Lord. He is God. and He does not share in his
0: glory. Amen. It is a big thing, and I love it. I mm-hmm. absolutely love it you know it, it's fascinating the the more things change, the more things stay the same. Ecclesiastes was right on so many levels, and Solomon was right on so many levels. I want to read you all a portion of a sermon that I just discovered here in our church archives just uh, just a few just a few days ago. Uh, it's really cool because it was actually a sermon by my mentor, a guy named Dr. Bill Wood, who's the pastor retired pastor of First Presbyterian in Charlotte. Man who trained me in ministry, he was an associate pastor here wow. at First Pres San Antonio back in the uh, back in the seventies, um, and I found a copy of one of the sermons that he preached, and he preached it on the Magnificat, on the yeah. Song of Mary, and but listen to this, listen to this paragraph. I, I I found it fascinating. I'm going to be quoting it in a newsletter here recent uh, upcoming. It says it might be well for us to remind ourselves in this Advent season that the world into which Christ was born was not a world of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, nor a world of dancing sugar plums and little tin soldiers. It was a world very much like our own, a world full of sadness and greed, a world torn by war and suffering. Contrary to what the makers of Christmas cards would have us believe, the city of Bethlehem was not a quiet pastoral city full of shepherds and mewing lambs, It was a city with dirty streets and violence, a city that, though it bears the name House of Bread and City of Peace, still to this day is filled with war and hatred. Mm. Yet it was in Bethlehem that Christ was born. God came to Bethlehem to be with a people who were rejected, despised, divided, and captive. It was there that he came to take upon himself their burdens and to be their Savior. I just I thought, wow. <laughs> I, I mean, preach. that'll preach, and it did. It did preach. It did preach. <laughs> Golly, that's some good stuff right there. Yeah. So, so you know, here we are. I mean, we, I mean, probably more so than at any point in my life, we are in a situation where, where, it feels like Christmas is more raw than has ever been. Mm. And yet the gospel seems more clear than it has ever been, and yet it and it and yet it it creates a greater contrast mm. i mean i I mean tell me this, do you all feel like right now people are trying to in in this pandemic, in this election season, in the aftermath of the election season, whatever it is, people are desperately trying to go backwards, they're trying to reverse time back to whatever christmas was last year in 2019 2018 2017 and, and even just before march and people are trying to go backwards and yet i don't think i don't think we get to go backwards you know no. christmas it's fascinating it, it's like you all have heard me say about sunday if you're a pastor if you're in the church sunday comes every week it's what dr wood called the relentless return of the sabbath it comes every week i remember when i was a young pastor and I remember after I finished my first series of Christmas sermons and services and liturgies and all that sort of thing, I was very proud of myself. And then 11 months, 11 months later, whoa, it's back. i got to do a whole new set of this stuff. And you know what? Christmas comes every year. Mm-hmm. And yet we want to go backwards. We want to say, okay, let's return to days of Christmas past. And yet God, he speaks his Christmas promises in this moment. Come on. So what is you know, what is the moment we're dealing with right now, and what is God saying in this moment? What is he saying to you in this moment?
2: I think what he's saying to me is that there is nothing outside of his providence, and I think mm-hmm. this year has been a great test of us really having to examine our walk with the Lord and say, I can trust God and I can believe in his faithfulness and his plan when everything's good. And in the context of Christmas, I can trust God when I have my family all around me, when we have great food, great fellowship. It's a time of celebration. And I can claim that God's good, and I can claim that I, I trust in God's plan. But it's put to the test when we're isolated, we're divided, we have a pandemic, we have a war for our culture, a war for truth, a war for our politics. These are the moments where, Baba loved how you said it, it's raw, it's real. The facade's off. The masks mm-hmm. have been pulled back. Or pulled up in this case. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the literal masks are on. The spiritual masks are off. Um, but it's, it's, as I've tried to begin to prepare for the Christmas season, it's been a test of, do I really trust that God is good? Mm-hmm. I can do that when it's easy. I can do that when it's fun. I can do that when it's a packed church on Christmas Eve. But in these moments when the gospel is needed now more than ever, do I trust that God is good? And if I do, what does that look like? How do I continue to grow during this time? And so that to me is definitely what my Christmas season is going to be about. And I think that that's exactly what we've been talking about is that the Lord does not just wait around until things are good to show up. He's in the midst of our pain, He's in the midst of our brokenness. He's in the midst of our suffering and I think that's that's just been convicting for me. All of twenty twenty is, you have no problem teaching a Bible study to a group of high schoolers that God is good. But these past eleven months, have you believed it? Mm-hmm. Have you lived it when your world's falling apart?
0: Dude. Do you believe God is good when faith is hard? Mm. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's good. There's a saying I used to say quite a bit, and for those that. Uh, it it's from actually a, a song, uh, and um, so I don't want to take credit that I, I originated by myself. But <clears throat> it says, only pressure can create diamonds, and only fire can refine gold. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that we want to be as radiant as diamonds, and we want to be as shiny as gold, but we don't want to go through the fire, nor do we want to accept the pressure. And we don't even want to sometimes be inclined to <coughs> dive into... Situations that would call us to more maturity. So, uh, when your question was for for me, what is God saying in this moment? Uh, I'm so grateful for Alec Clary's uh, perception of providence, as well as like seeing God and knowing Him in the midst of suffering. I would also say, uh, I think we, I think it also brings a sense of recalibration. Right, mm-hmm. there's a sense of a great sense of recalibration to refocus right on, on, on what is real. And, uh, Bob, to your point, when you were talking about how like we like to want to th- th- go back, right? We want to go back. And, uh, for, for our listeners, I, I pray you're not triggered by this, but you know, we, we there used to be this big moon of like we want to keep Christ in Christmas. Right, and and we get upset when people don't say Merry Christmas, we say Happy Holidays, right, and or things like that. Which, again, very great points, very very legitimate points. We wanna, we I understand your grievances and stuff like that, but if that's the hill you want to die on, like that, we have there's, there's more pressing issues. Are you actually going out to share the gospel? Mm. Have you shared or shown the love of Jesus to your neighbor? What about to that cashier that did say Happy Holidays? Are you praying for them? Like, are you actually, if we're as Christians and we're becoming spiritually mature, uh, I, think, I think we said this earlier uh, one time in the podcast, but why are we surprised when the world acts worldly? Mm. <laughs> right. Why are you surprised when the world acts worldly?
2: In this world, you will have trouble. Thank you. But take heart. I, I have, have overcome. overcome the world.
1: I, gee, I have overcome the world. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier about what Christmas means. You're right, it is full of joy, but it is a legitimate statement. He has come back, right? And matter of fact, if we're being honest, he never left, but he's come back and he's establishing everything, right? And so for us, for me, what is God saying for me at this moment, that we as Christians need to start acting like Christians. That's what I feel that God is saying for us in this moment, that we as Christians need to rise up, that even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the turbulence, even in the midst of the tribulation, only pressure can create diamonds, only fire refine gold. Are you prepared
0: for the Lord to refine you in your moment? Amen. Amen. That's that's, a, that's powerful. Let me Let me throw this out to you because— it's important for us to think about the fact that this is not just the Christmas season, this is also the Advent season. Christmas comes at the end of an absolutely crazy year, but Advent is actually the beginning of the church's year. That's the that is the beginning of the liturgical year for the church. So it's to me that sets up a really interesting sort of point that while everybody else is looking at this as the end of the world, we look at it as the beginning of something really new that God really new that God is doing something new behold i am making all things Come new on. and and of course i've been teaching on revelation on thursday mornings and wednesday nights for the last semester and this just sort of jumped out at me it's it's that it's that advent if we understand advent historically and we understand it properly advent is not about looking backward mm-hmm. to the first coming of christ advent is actually about looking forward Mm. to the second coming of christ and while christ has definitely won his victory over sin and death and while he is going to come again to claim his bride and restore creation that's where we need to to really understand you know that the promise in this moment is in this time of tribulation and trouble not maybe not the tribulation yet but tribulation nonetheless. Mm. We have to remember that that Christ is coming back to claim his bride and restore his creation. And and so I love it that that another promise of Christmas or promise of Advent comes in the book of Revelation um, when the apostle John writes this. He says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And then skipping down to verse 16, And on his robe and on his thigh... He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Revelation chapter 19, 11, and 16. And I love that because, again, God uses the phrases, uses the titles that he used with Isaiah in those great Christmas passages. And we see again the promise of Messiah comes to John when he and the early church were in that moment of hot persecution right after the first peter times you know as 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 things were heating up in first peter john is in the fire he i mean he's on patmos i'm convinced he was in that penal colony because they hated him so much they didn't want to kill him because they knew they could do something worse to him later they they were saving him for something worse and and yet here is here is god coming to him here's christ coming to john saying Guess what? Messiah is still coming. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. Yeah. And I just think that is so important for us, especially today, to remember. It's not, Christmas is not supposed to be a backward-looking holiday. Mm. Um, now, certainly we remember that, that God fulfilled His promises in the coming of Christ, but we're also supposed to be looking forward to His second coming.
2: If all we focus on in Christianity is that Christ came then we have no future glory. We have no future mm, hope. Right. If we just leave Christmas at Jesus was born, Right. then we don't have a hope for the future. And that's why Advent is so important is that we're celebrating that Christ was born, but if that's all we're doing, then we have no hope. If that's all we're doing Whoa, is yes. just celebrating the newborn Jesus in Bethlehem, then we don't have any hope of the future. That's why you have to have Advent before... Christmas so that you know we're going to celebrate that he came, but you've got to understand he's coming again. And next time when he comes, he's not coming as a sweet child where there's peace on a calm night in Bethlehem. He's coming with the sky cracked open. He's coming on a horse. He's coming with a flaming sword. And there's not going to be any questions about who is this child born in Bethlehem. There's going to be no questions. Every knee will bow Come and every on. tongue will cry out yeah. that Jesus Christ is Lord.
1: Yes. And I Amen. think
2: that radically changes how yes. we view our world as if we have a proper humility and understanding of Advent. You mean that ought to change the way we look at the pandemic and the election and, and all this Ooh, other stuff yeah. too? Not to minimize them, <laughs> yeah. but no. to know that there is nothing on earth under earth or above earth, that will not submit to Jesus Christ as That's Lord.
1: 100.
0: 100%. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been another fantastic conversation. Again, I'm Bob Fuller. I'm here with Alex Solorio and Alex Clary. That's right, one Bob, two Alex's 30 Minutes of Theology. And we thank you for joining our conversation today. Have a blessed day, and remember that God loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He has a position for you on his team and a place for you at his table. Amen.